No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, a podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I'm John Toyson, I'm your host, and on today's episode we have my good friend Dave on to talk about a number of different things, but in particular he may be one of the most well-versed Catholics I know. I was uh, very happy to sit down with Dave, he's just the most affable, uh, comfortable person. He's just very, very chill and uh, very easy to get along with. And you can hear that I just, I quickly fall into a rhythm of just like, okay, tell me more. Uh, Dave's just the nicest person and had many interesting things to say about Catholicism and how that's influenced him as an overall person, what it was like to grow up particularly Catholic and how he today is a Catholic adult and what that means. Uh, He's also crazy enough to want to eat Dairy Queen in the winter, so please don't hold that against him. Uh, Otherwise, he's a very lovely person. We had a great conversation about a number of different things, so... I really appreciate you listening. As always, thank you so much for downloading and supporting. I really, it just means the world that anybody would ever want to listen to this. And uh, it's been really beneficial for me to have these conversations. So thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out on Twitter or Instagram or just send an email to yourdead2 at gmail.com. That's the official email inbox. I'll watch that for comments, criticism, feedback, whatever you've got, questions, uh, happy to do it. But again, thank you so much for listening. It's always a pleasure, and sit back and enjoy. There we go. Okay, so, Dave, thanks for coming. How are you? Good to be here. I'm good. How are you? I am good. So if you'd be so kind, uh, who are you? 10,000 feet view. Who's Dave? Dave. I am a guy from Hopkins and then came back to Hopkins, Minnesota, um, raised Catholic, still semi-ish Catholic. I wouldn't say active, but I would say believer, just a dude. First off, you're getting to something that I always want to ask about, which is your faith definitely yes. plays a part in who you are. You were raised with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that stayed with you from childhood through adulthood. Pretty yep. consistent branding of Catholic Big C, still saying Catholic Big C, capital C as an adult. That capital Big big words. C. Yeah, I mean, it's it's my father had a big impact on you know, on, on you know my faith growing up and. You know, I think with that, kind of wanting to stay aligned with him, and, you know, it's a big part of who he is. I think it's it's kind of kept me in that realm. Um, you know, I'm not at church every Sunday. I'm not, you know, following Lent too hard. Um, I try to. It's, it's good for, you know, you know post-winter weight loss. But um, <laughs> I wouldn't say big C. I would say medium to little C. So I think I'm, you know, still like to, to believe in, in the things that I was taught when I was little. But, you know, I, did, I don't think I'm – you know, as, as devout as, as one might expect of okay. a Catholic. Well, the fact that you can cite Lent and know that there are more stringent ways to observe it, I'd say you've got a little more nuance to your faith than most people have talked to so far because that's mm-hmm. definitely you're observant and educated enough in your background that you know the big rules and the little rules. You know, I've right. talked about Catholicism before on the podcast that I think of it as having having grown up as a Lutheran and then mm-hmm. going to a Catholic high school, Catholic college, and just being curious about the differences in Christianity and different religions, I've always thought of 
Catholicism as having more what I call like dogmatic comic book rules of mm-hmm. saints and superpowers and eat these particular foods, but this time period you've got to observe. Like it just seems like there are a lot of very particular subsets of rules that just remind me of comic books. Not in any bad way. I'm the first person to say I'm a huge, huge comic fan. So that's to me it. That's kind of my modern interpretation of it. But as you went from a kid to an adult, has your stringency to those rules changed much? Or is it basically like, look, I'm an adult, I'm being reverent, I'm being respectful, I don't necessarily have to avoid meat all the time during Lent? Or is it kind of a, you don't feel as it as it's um, as intrinsic to what you do? Or how have you kind of adapted to that as you've gotten older? Yeah, I think I still believe, I still feel the guilt if, <laughs> a little bit. Um but but it's not something that you know I'm overly concerned with. If I eat meat on Friday during Lent as an accident, it's okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. You know, I ask for forgiveness when I pray. I do, you know, some Catholic things, and I do try to you know observe Lent. I do try and give something up if I screw up. It's fine. You know, it's 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 something that I like to to try and follow and do my best. You know, to to you know follow the rules and then be strict, but. You know, just lifestyle, you know, growing up, things just, you know, didn't, didn't, I guess, you know, leaving the home was kind of when I, you know, started to drift. Um, but I'm still happy to say that, you know, I'm a Catholic and I'm not ashamed of that. You know, some people might believe so, and um, I'm not, and it's something that's a part of me, and then I'll do my best. You know, there's a lot of rules that, you know, our, our, our Vatican I, Vatican II that, you know, are hundreds or thousands of years old and it's outdated and it's just something that hasn't changed. But I think we got a new pope in there that might make some changes. Honestly, hearing you Frank's cite great. Vatican One and Two, that just makes the back of my neck kind of like, <laughs> oh, he knows about this stuff. This is cool. Okay. So you mentioned, um, first of all, giving stuff up for Lent. Are these major sacrifices you're doing or is this kind of like, well, you know, I love this kind of a thing. I'm just going to kind of abstain from this. Is it like to show that you've got the capacity to do so and the self-control? Or like can you without – if you're comfortable, what are some things you've given up in the past for Lent? When I was a young strapping 20-something, I, I used to give up sweets. Oh. Except for Dairy Queen, <laughs> which which at, at the worst was once a week. But, I mean, that's a lot of Dairy Queen still. But this is the <laughs> middle of winter still, so that is the Minnesotan in you. I mean, you can't pass an Oreo Blizzard if an Oreo Blizzard is in the mix. Oh, you're very right. You have to get an Oreo Blizzard. Um, sweets. Um, never tried beer or booze. That would be hard. You know, there's, there's coping mechanisms during Minnesota winters, and that's that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly sweets is kind of more dietary stuff. Sure. Um, you know, and, and it worked out well in my 20s. I actually made it through, you know, once without doing any Dairy Queen or anything like that. Back when I was a runner. Especially in your fit. 20s. Good Lord. I mean, usually you know you you compensate with cocktails that are sweet and and, and <laughs> beers that are that are filling and fantastic and um, yeah you, you can kind of forge through. Very cool. And I'd have as hard of a sweet tooth in my old age. It's, it's every meal I feel like I need to top it off with something fantastic. Oh. No, I get that. I'm very much the same mindset. It's become. I had a friend of my parents basically who did that for every meal too. Like mm-hmm. totally same habit, and gave some scary speech about developing diabetes as he got older and it just never gotten shaken from me so it's always like oh i need to like switch over to fruit now and like i'm obsessed with dates lately so that's been like 
just one or two dates after a meal just to kind of cut the salt a little bit. Yeah, dates are good. Um, shot of honey. Oh, I do. okay. Or a shot of honey or, uh, well, not, not you know, I don't feel a shot glass, but, you know. I'll, just I'll, a spoonful of. No, straight bottle. <laughs> I'll do the squeeze bottle straight down. I get it. Um, Ricolas. Ricola. So so I do talk out for my job, so a Ricola kind of does a nice, uh, you know, reset of the baritone to keep things smooth and Yeah, you do have sensual. a very, you've got the velvet fog going. Mm-hmm. So as you were a kid observing these rules and getting into adulthood, was there, you mentioned the guilt, mm-hmm. and we have other mutual Catholic friends that I would love to talk more about this as well because it's definitely... I have a lot of guilt just being a neurotic person and just being kind mm-hmm. of a mess. But the particular brand of guilt that comes with Catholicism, that is unique. That is white hot and mainlining from the good Lord himself, just guilt. Was that mm-hmm. something that you were – was that intrinsic to you or was that instilled through the faith and the practicing of it? I think it was more intrinsic for me in, in the fact that I just the – Area of discipline, showing discipline, showing the self-control. Um, I guess for me, and I, I never felt like if if I, you know, you know, sinned in any way that there's going to be, you know, fire and brimstone when I wake up in the morning. You know, I never saw it that way. It was always, you know, these are things that are set forth by God, and these are things that, um, you know, lead us to be good people. And you know, there's definitely doctrines and things that have shown to be quite the opposite. You know, and and I think time changes, and I think, you know, over the years, you know, just society changes, and there's, now is a perfect time for that. I mean, just just you know, with the Me Too movement, everything happening right now. I mean, there's an expectation of how to act, mm-hmm. and so I just kind of see that the Catholic faith hasn't really kept up with a lot of that, and things have kind of frozen in some ways. I I see potential there to change, but it's it's a hard thing. And and what kind of brought a comparison is I watched the documentary about Dan Reynolds with Imagine Dragons and his faith with Mormonism with you know with 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 gay people mm-hmm. and just kind of how you know he impacted that he like brought decisions to them and but it was just such a hard line hard old you know people in charge that weren't willing to budge on that I think there's there's that in Catholicism as well. That where there, there's just these things that are so ingrained into the culture of Catholicism that they're they're not going to budge. And let's be honest, I mean, the, the money in Catholicism is all the old folks who believe in the old way. And, you know, I think they're, they're not attracting young followers or losing young followers just because the old ways don't really apply in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, I think Pope Frank, I'll call him because he's... <laughs> close personal friend but I, I think he's kind of brought a different viewpoint you know he's, he's brought a little more of an open-mindedness um to the situation so i think there's there's opportunity there and i think they're kind of seeing that to he's change. really yeah you're, you're right he's definitely been a surprising breath of fresh air i know mm-hmm. who was right before this it was a very short term a bit of benedict before yes him. pope benedict who yes. he actually stepped down didn't he yes that mm-hmm. in and of itself makes me think okay what in the world did he possibly become privy to that he said, you know what, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, I know that that's kind of the modality of popes with the Catholic Church that they want to have a long time or a long serving pope. And mm-hmm. then generally they pick somebody who will have a shorter span, whether it's by picking an older pope or somebody who they know will not serve out the term. 
but it's been nice to see what this latest pope has just been so much more in line with reality, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And certainly there are things that I would disagree with as well with what he has made proclamations about, but I'm not a practicing Catholic. It's not really my place to say what he should or should not do to lead his flock, but I will say from an outsider's perspective, it's been fascinating to see some of the choices and some of the realignment that they've done to be um, more open to the outside world, shall we say. Because it's definitely something that I've seen with other faiths that the more closed off you become, the more insular. It just seems to become a snake eating its own tail of, I don't see how you're growing as a community here. And what I've liked to hear from you is that it really sounds like you're somebody who's willing to look not only within, but look at circumstances outside yourself and really evaluate and say, does this hold water? Is this worth reevaluating and saying, do we need to examine this and change and adapt this? You don't seem to be somebody who is hard and fast, lined in the sand. It is this and nothing else. You don't seem like that type of person. No, I'm 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 a hardcore realist, and I you know very much see things the way they are. So I see Pope Francis was someone I'm sure that they saw as someone who could kind of walk that tightrope, that tightrope, tightrope, tightrope of you know aligning to the traditional side of it. You know, kind of keeping the money. And I mean, faith is a business. It definitely is. So kind of aligning to the traditional doctrines, aligning to the older crowd, but also you know, um, growing the faith. You know, he's got a Twitter handle, for crying out loud. And I do follow him, and it's fantastic. And <laughs> it's, it's a lot of Bible verses. Yeah, Pontifex. Okay. Yep. It's like bridge something. It means something bridge. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think, you know, just someone who's willing to do that. And, and I think he's a great choice. I think he's, he's awesome especially compared to the more conservative popes that they've had who've just rode that hard line of the tradition. And now he's, I think, you know, being able to, to cross over a little bit of not only aligning to that tradition, but also trying to grow the faith, open it up to the world that we have today. It was definitely a real shift in reality for me to hear about when I was in high school hearing about what Vatican II was and what the consequences were and how shocking it was to people in that era. I mean, it was not long ago. That was kind of the same era that we landed on the moon and the Beatles were around. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were just saying, what if we just turned the priest around to face the congregation? And that was absolutely sacrosanct. Like, mm-hmm. I love that those things are so ingrained. Like, that kind of tradition is just mind-boggling to me to be able to hold fast to that because I'm just, I don't feel like somebody who those grooves of the record run that deep. And yet I've had friends tell me the fact that I want to ask those questions would be signs of those grooves, but just I don't necessarily feel myself being pulled towards an organization, as it were. Mm -hmm. Now, you are married to a delightful person. She's all right. (laughs) No, she's great. She's wonderful. She's perfect. And uh, is she also a practicing Catholic? No. So she grew up Lutheran. Okay. So we're close. Mm-hmm. So 95 theses on a door separate us. See, these uh, things, man, these are good deep cuts that you're pulling. I love this. <laughs> but no, and, and it's, it's, it's actually a challenge um, because she does want to attend more church. She grew up very much as an attender, um, you know, and, and there's, you know, I'm learning about the synods, you know, the Wisconsin Synod, the Missouri Synod. And I think she grew up kind of more of the, um, the non-conservative I can't remember which one, ECA or something. I can't remember what it's called. ECLA, the ECLA. 
Ecumenical Council of Lutheran something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, that my, my parents were members of, still are members of. That's what I was raised in. It's, I can tell you it's a fairly inoffensive brand of Christianity. Yeah. It's kind of the white bread of Christianity that you get your faith. There's not a whole lot of stained glass windows. And I was definitely jealous of Catholics for all of the cool artwork, like all oh. of the amazing artwork. Catholic churches. I mean, that's, that's reason enough. Like going in there at Christmas time and candles and brick and, it's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, so she's Lutheran. I mean, she still um, you know, tries to go to church as much as she can. Um, I'll join her. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of people walking up on the aisle, clapping and singing and dancing. I don't love that. I'm a little more of a traditional <laughs> that, that approach. That does not sound like the Lutheran church I know. That sounds so the, so Pentecostal. We, yeah, we, we got married in a Lutheran church, and we attended a service uh, about a year later, and they were – a couple of ladies up and down the aisle clapping and getting everyone to sing, and that really don't mind it, don't care, I don't love it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I don't want someone clapping at me and telling me to to rejoice and sing. I'll rejoice and sing when I'm when I'm damn well ready. <laughs> um, but it, it causes a little bit of a riff sometimes. I mean, it it doesn't come up often. Um, and we talk about kids and what faith they'll be raised in. I'm not too particular there. Um, actually. You know, a conversation that my mom had shared with me from my, I mean, my, I think my dad is just like my driving force. Like, I don't want to let him down because, mm-hmm. you know, he works so hard to ingrain the faith in my brother and I. And, um, but, you know, my mom had a conversation with him, which she shared with me is that, you know, he is, as long as I'm following something, you know, believing in God, following some form of Christianity, like he's, he said he was fine with that. So that helped kind of loosen things up a little bit. And I, I do prefer a Catholic mass. I like to, you know, sit there and kneel and stand and get my work out. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just, it's familiar. It's comfortable. Um, and I've been to Lutheran services, and they were great, and our wedding was great in Lutheran. And um, But, I mean, it's, 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 there, there's still things where, like, she won't come with me because she doesn't feel welcome. Ah. Which is, I mean, they, they, when they say everyone welcome to everyone who's a guest, I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, they're being very welcoming to you, but... I see what she's saying when she has to sit put, stay, stay there when we go get get our snack and get our, yeah, um, you know, get our uh, the Eucharist, the Eucharist, the body of Christ. Um, so I mean, like we we it's a challenge because it's like you know she wants me to go to church with her um, to her faith because it's a little bit more accepting one where I'll come to you know the church with me. Oh, no, I don't I don't feel welcome there. So it, it's tough, but. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a major issue. I think it's something that's just we address and it comes up. Yeah, but we're good. And for anybody that might not be familiar with it, that would be what, um, for example, Lutherans call communion. It's the part of a Christian church service where you're invited to partake in the body and blood of Christ. And mm-hmm. depending on your particular brand of Christianity, it's either the uh, transubstantiation or consubstantiation, either it represents the flesh and blood of Christ or the bread and wine is literally magically transforming in your mouth into the blood and flesh and uh, of Christ. And for Catholics who, correct me if I'm wrong, tend to believe in the actual transubstantiation, mm-hmm. that if you are not of the Catholic faith, they would politely discourage you from participating as mm-hmm. they would prefer it to be properly revered and celebrated and so from your wife's perspective i have very clear memories of being in high school and sitting in mass thinking okay now what's going to be less awkward if i just sit here in the pew 
and everybody gives me the crotch pass as they go by. Mm-hmm. And then tuck like, the knees in. Yeah, tuck the mm-hmm. knees and kind of bend and turn to make sure nobody gets knocked over. Or do I go up in front of everybody knowing that I'm not one of them and then have to do the little crossed hands over my chest and say, no, no, thank you. I, I no, I just, I don't, I, I'm not. I just, I just, I, 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 I can't. It's, my lips are sealed. <laughs> so, I just get a little bit, I Yeah, it's, it's um, not a overt piss off yet as a midwesterner it definitely is kind of hmm, oh well that's different mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's just ever so slight and you think like yeah, but they're all christians they're all under the same roof and yet mm-hmm. there's that little difference where those those differences become larger in the micro moments and mm-hmm. you know it shouldn't really matter and yet it does well it just makes it feel a certain way yeah yeah i mean it's 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 not Exclusion. I mean, we're not doing that. I mean, no, we. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't come up with that idea. Um, <laughs> Why would you do this? I, I just feel like you should cross your arms and receive a blessing. That's just <laughs> just as good, right? Yeah, as though that's <laughs> such a horrible alternative. Like, I guess I'll take a conciliatory blessing as yes. opposed. Yes. You know, take take the cross on the forehead and be on your way. You'll be just fine. Um, and and I, it's not meant to exclude. I think. I mean, as hard as it was to change the primary language from Latin to whatever you spoke. So people can understand what you were saying was such a big deal just to think of, you know, the challenge in the uphill battle would be to change anything as to who can accept communion. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's I wouldn't see it in my lifetime being changed at all. But I mean, there's things that could change, things that would be more inclusive. Um, you know, people looking to, for, for a faith, you know, might not see it as a great thing. But, you know, sometimes, it, you know, for me, I'm part of the club. You know, when you go to a Catholic wedding <laughs> and, you know, and, and you're one of two guys in your row gets to go up there and get communion, I feel like a big deal. I'm Very like, cool. yeah, I got my first communion. I, I went through those classes. Yeah, you did the business. CCD and the confirmation. Okay. I, I actually just drove by a Catholic church and there's parents waiting outside for their kids to get out of CCD. It is Wednesday night for those mm-hmm. listening. That is <laughs> Wednesday night is CCD night. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so... This, I think, will be of particular interest knowing what we've talked about so far and your unique perspective, which is exactly why I wanted to bring you here. So, again, thank you for sitting down to do this. Happy here's, to be here. Thank you. Here's where it gets weird. What happens when we die? I hope all kinds of great stuff. Really? Oh, I, oh, I, I mean, I'm, I mean, there's, there's, to me, there's, 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 you know, three options. There's the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things go black and it's confusing, and no one has any idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, or then it's heaven and hell, or heaven or hell. Or for those who believe in the paranormal, there could be some sort of you know purgatory where you're stuck in the middle and can't cross over. Now, interesting that you you would lump purgatory in with the paranormal, or you know, third option, option mm-hmm. C on the test, because that is distinctly a Catholic faith or uh, mm-hmm. element of Catholic faith, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just, it might be. I actually, I mean, I know it's part of it. It's, it's someone who really, it's, it's, I'm actually not sure exactly where it came from, but I mean, it essentially describes the place where if someone hasn't shown to be evil enough to go to hell or good enough to go to heaven, they give you a, a chance to kind of remain and, you know, show your, you know, worth to go either way. I get that. That's what I remember from, Wednesday night CCD. Yeah, and I'm speaking from an outsider's perspective here. My, <laughs> to put it in the dumbest possible terms, basically, it's St. Peter saying, 
yes, you're good enough to be in here, but we have to wash some of this off you first. You have mm-hmm. to go through some cl- some cleansing and clarification to get the sin out mm-hmm. that you just you weren't clean enough to get up here. We need to just go through some cleansing and show your worth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so to that point, then of those options, you it sounds like would like to or prescribe, subscribe, you would like to hope that option B, heaven and hell, that there is some kind of afterlife in some form, whether it's anything like we know now, that there is either, you know, whether it's binary heaven and hell or it's, you know, closeness to God, absence from God on a big Mm -hmm. scale, that you would like to think that there is some kind of something beyond this not just dead over as this that it, i love that you call that the sopranos because i i, I instantly got what you were referring yeah. to just not even fade to black just cut to black gone. yeah and yeah i mean i i, I hope and I, I i do believe that there is some sort of afterlife and you know i've said for read stories read evidence of of you know people near well actually it's not actually a near-death experience it is a death experience and people who come back Okay. You know, where there, there's, you know, and I've heard different parts of it. I've heard people who felt, you know, unconditional love and, and eternal light and just all these terrific, wonderful things, which sounds perfect. You know, you're not like held back by your body anymore. You're, you know, everything is as free and open and great. And, um, and then there's people who had a Sopranos ending who they went black and then they came back to life and it was, you know, fade back in and then you're back. Um, and then there's people who, you know, have had complete life 180s, you know, who experienced hell, experienced an evil experience where seeing the devil, seeing, you know, the beast himself. I cannot imagine what kind of life you would lead or what kind of existential dread that would lead to coming back from something like that. Yeah. Like having a positive near-death experience, I would think, okay, cool. That's kind yeah. of reaffirming. Like I think I'm on the right path as long as I continue to do what I did for the first 35. Exactly. But to have a demonic one, to have a bad one, you think, oh, yeah. Oh boy, is it like, is it how I dress? Is it how I pray at night? Is it like, what am I doing wrong? Am I eating the wrong cereal? I mean, for me, I just remember asking my parents, like, well, what, what do I have to do to make sure I go to heaven? What do I, what do I have to do for that? You got to imagine it's got to be some evil asshole who's going to be in that demonic, evil death situation. You got to imagine that. Right. I mean, it um, sounds bad to have it just be a technicality of like, well, you were asked to say seven Hail Marys and you yeah. said six and a half. So. You did beat up that kid in sixth grade and didn't ask forgiveness for it. So we're going <laughs> to. That, that's, what, that's what broke the camel's back. So we're sorry. You're going to be in eternal damnation, burning in the fires of hell. Serving Satan in whatever way he sees fit, forever, forever. Gosh. And then, and then, people that come out and see that and come out from it, they they go full Scrooge and they're you know a whole different person when they come back. So, I would like to talk to people who've been there and seen that and had that experience. I mean, As... I've I've seen you know you see it on TV shows and people look honest and they you know, it's an interview and it's a person and you don't know what's what they're in for. You know, are they doing this for fame for for money whatever? Are they just telling the truth? Yeah, it's really hard to know. I mean, there's a part of you that you, where is the harm? Trust them. Why not? Like, what mm-hmm. what could they possibly have to gain? Well, money, publishing. But right. yeah, it's it's hard to know what people really the intent is in their heart. But have you mm-hmm. had anybody in your life have any kind of experience like that that you can ask about? No, I honestly haven't. It's it's so I, I watch a show. I don't know if you heard of Josh Gates. 
Uh, no, I don't think so. Josh Gates is he's on the Travel Channel, and he's just an adventure. He chases treasure. He's he's done paranormal investigating. He's been on three different shows on the Travel Channel. Okay, look him up. He's fantastic. Uh, but anyway, so he he did a special on death and dying and what happens after we die, and he interviewed a half dozen people, and a lot of them had the scars to show at car accidents, things like that. They were gone and came back. Most of them described you know the, the loving experience some of them could describe what was happening at the hospital when they were dead um there they had a hit a nurse on that described um you know a woman who had died on the table and she came back and she told her someone should get that shoe off of the roof and what are you talking about and so on the other side of the hospital not even near where she was she's all oh, there's a red shoe up on the roof you guys should get that off so she described Floating out, coming back in. Leaving the body, go, ascending somehow. Right. Passing through material. Yeah. Man, I recently had a conversation with somebody asking about whether or not we're eternal beings experiencing mm-hmm. a temporary reality. And a, I want to hear what your take is on that, but B, what that led me to is a further set of questions about if we're not being, if there's not the risk of punishment as I was raised to know it in a Lutheran Christian church, mm-hmm. what am I so afraid of in my daily life? So I guess first I would ask, do you, Dave, as a person here in front of me, knowing all that you've shared with me about your Catholicism, do you think that we are, and I know that you haven't been prepped for this at all, but do you think that, in your opinion, that we are eternal beings sharing some kind of temporal existence? Do you think that the soul is part of who we are, that that's us? I think that's certainly a possibility. You know, and, and, and I think there is some form of, you know, pos- a potential of reincarnation. There's Really? Well, you think about, you know, and there's these stories about, you know, kids, four-year-olds, three-year-olds. And I just read one about a kid who, I can't remember how, how long ago this was, but he could describe, like, an airplane. He, and he could, and he basically would talk about the squadron. And he was, you know, it was, it was World War II time. And he was talking about mentioning names, specific names of people that were in the squadron and how he died and how his plane went down and who shot him down and how. And this was like a four-year-old kid, you know, who would have no concept of a dogfight or an airplane or World War II or specific names of people in the squadron. And they looked into these names and like, sure enough, like they think they found the guy that he was because, you know, he was shot down around this time in this way, in this area. And he oh, served with these people. Like, I mean, to, to have someone, you know, be able to describe that in detail, I mean, Either there's some connection there, you know, we, you know, we're in a temporary vessel, mm-hmm. and most people probably have no idea, you know, where we came from. I might have been a you know medieval knight, and who knows what I was, you know. I mean, and and you know, just just you are most a people. guy. I could see you being a knight. I could see you like that you was, pull that out of the ether as an example, but maybe that was a little a trick into some insight of yours that I could see you slaying dragons and saving maidens and. I could see you as a chivalrous horseback riding type, yeah. I would love that existence. Yeah, I could see I, you doing that. I could see me doing it too. I don't know if that's it. It could be. I mean, who knows how many times we've been recycled. You're a yeah. noble gentleman. So what I'm curious about is, 
you are a fascinating in that you are one of the more traditional Catholic people that I know. Um, just that I haven't talked to a great deal of people about this in my modern life, and that's exactly why I want to be doing this. But the more I talk to you, the more there are these just little hints of things, little cracks of light from beyond the borders where I see, uh, what that is, that does not fit that box. Something is like, where are those things coming from? Is that just your, again, your openness to the world that you've seen? Or is that you don't seem like somebody to dismiss stuff out of hand? You, anything you can say about that? So when you say check a box, like, like the Catholic mm-hmm. kind of, and, and, it really doesn't dictate a lot of, you know, what I feel, I guess. Or, you know, there's certain things that I believe in that I know don't align with that, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm an individual and I, I don't, you know, need to, you know, Catholicism doesn't dictate the way I, you know, view things in the world. You know, I honestly feel if you're a good person, you know, if you treat people well, try and do your best, you know, you're doing good for your faith. Um, but you know, my beliefs outside of that are, are, you know, it's just me as an individual, something that I'm interested in. Mm, and, you know, okay. I mean, when, when you think about, you know, I, you know, I, I love watching TV shows on, you know, ghosts and paranormal investigations. Like these things are fascinating and fantastic and it does align, you know, they talk about like demonic things and possessions and then that's scary stuff. And it's, you know, some very real things that have happened to people, whether it's, a uh, a mental illness of some shape where they're actually being possessed by an evil force. I mean, when you talk about the soul, I mean, that's an unseen force, you know, and I think, and, and they're actually doing studies at NYU. I don't, I don't know if they're still going to where they are trying to prove that there is the existence of a soul. So what they're doing, I believe is kind of recording and, 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 you know, obs- observing people who have death experiences and come back. And even, when the body is completely dead, no brain activity, no heartbeat, no blood flow, people could recall what was said in the room. People could recall what was done. People could recall things that were being done to their body as they're you know, being resuscitated. Like they remembered those things when there was no activity in the body. Theoretically, the machine as we know it, the meat that makes us up is shut down. Circulatory mm-hmm. system is down. Right. Blood is not pumping. What should facilitate signals coming through the eyes is not operating mm-hmm. ears. There shouldn't be any electrical impulse going because the system is dead. That's right. literally what dead means. And yet mm-hmm. they're having instances of this person recalled information that happened after time of death. Right. Yep. And and, and it's it's and they're they're doing it multiple times. You yep. cannot hear Look on this podcast how much I just closed my eyes and winced trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> it's just I that is I love that kind of stuff because it just flies in the face of what I take for granted because I mm-hmm. have found myself to be very if I can't touch it it's hard for me to have an understanding of it. Mhm. But I know just what you're talking about and one of my favorite more morbid stories is of some of the executions in France, some of the beheadings that they were still doing well up until I think the last one was something like 1960, yeah, 1970. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I just, yeah. There was a, a particularly notorious example of somebody who had said, all right, let's see what happens after they die. And for a full 15 to 30 seconds, they were able to kind of yell at the head and the head would kind of open their eyes and look around and look down in anguish and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. no sense of, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Something happens, man. The machine keeps going for a little bit. And 
I talked um, to my friend Brian, who's recently on the podcast. We talked about his experiences uh, with his health concerns and how the notion of time of death is a subtle change that's happened over millennia as we've understood more about the body and as processes end. There's still something ephemeral that happens that I that you know we can't point to and say this is it. And as a philosophy major in college, I really struggled to understand how the mind can be more than its parts seemingly, that there is still no one-to-one correlation of this light turns on, this light turns off. You feel happy, here's the area that lights up directly right there. We poke that and you are happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's some things like that, but the phenomenon, the epiphenomenon of consciousness, they call it, that is still this magical, elusive thing that just we're never going to know exactly what it is for a bat to be a bat, what it is for Dave to be Dave, what is Daveness, and is your experience different than mine? That stuff is just, it's a noodle baker, man. That So the fact that they're looking at that at NYU, I desperately want to look that up now. I want to find that paper and read all about that. So what else have you read along those lines? Like, what else can you tell me? Anything that you know off the top of your head? Along those studies? Yeah, or or just, I mean, about that subject. It's clearly not the only thing you've ever dug into about that, is that... No, I mean, that's... I mean, that was the most interesting one, that they're kind of quantifying and and qualifying what's happening, you know, when people are dead, and then they're able to resuscitate them thanks to technology and whatever else. Sure. um, But, you know, they just describe it as the light. You know, that's that's the light that keeps... It's inside of you, the light that keeps your eyes open, and it's kind of who you see when you look into someone, but... Oh, that's kind of beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 what turns on the machine, you That's know. Cool. I mean, we're 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 a vessel, you know. The body is, and um, as far as what I've looked in, I mean, there's just so many interesting stories. Like, I'm fascinated by the ones where the kids can recall things. Like, I mean, there's stories of kids who led investigators to where their murdered previous body was. Oh, that's <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm being serious. Horrifying. Like, there there, there are oh stories God. of of kids that have that recollection, and then they can tell you, you know, frame by frame how they were murdered. And who did it and when? And it's just and these these are young kids. These are kids who are just learning to walk and talk. Yeah. And I just find that that super fascinating. You yeah. know, just just the fact that you know, in a sen- essentially these people were, were sent back, you know, for whatever reason. These this this soul, this this memory. And for some reason kids are just that innocent enough to be able to tap into that and not, you know, discredit it or forget about it. It's something, I mean, and, and, you know, they talk about kids that, you know, talk to ghosts. They say they have a friend and they, you know, describe oh, a person. Bone-chilling stuff. Right. And, and that's why, I, I mean, that's what I'm, I mean, that's a big part of me. I love those stories. I love hearing that. I mean, people try and, you know, fake it and things like that. But there's just, there's some stories or some things or some evidence, pictures, noises, videos of how do you describe that? You know, they take it to experts. What is that? You know, it's just a whole different realm of possibility there. And some people probably think it's complete nonsense and a bunch of fakes. We have a lot of technology to fake that stuff. But there's just some stories that it's just, how do you explain that? Where does that come from? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it all comes back to death. I mean, you know, you know, just to bring Casper into it, <laughs> you know, crossing <laughs> over. Yeah, I mean, that's, and I just think that's, you know, what it could be is just people that were unsettled or met an untimely death or a tragic death and, and their kind of their energy, their soul, their their light, whatever stayed back. The unfinished business of some kind. Exactly. Okay. And and I, I think that could be a real possibility. I mean, 
you know, even Devin Sawa, you know, got to float around with Christina Ricci. <laughs> I mean, his his unfinished business was, you know, you know, coming back and you know making his dad happy. I mean, that's it's you know Hollywood dramatization, but it, it's kind of describes you know what the belief is and how that happens. Wow, deep pull. Along that line from that I talked about earlier, with the idea of thinking and hoping that there's something beyond this mm-hmm. mortal existence. Do you see a punitive element to this? Like, do you see it's, I would gather from how I know you as a person, like in our day-to-day lives, that you are somebody who does not have a deep-rooted fear of punishment in the afterlife, that you are somebody who leads, I would say, generally straight and narrow life in the hope that you would have a good afterlife is mm-hmm. is that something that you know coupled with your catholic guilt can you speak at all about that does that make sense what i'm asking that is there a fear to your daily life or is there you know an existential dread at all or is it do you just try to be a good person and not worry about the grandiose picture beyond doing what you have control over does any of that make sense yeah it does make sense and then there's definitely not a dread you know i'm you know i don't live day to day worried that i'm going to be doing enough to go to heaven and to have have a happy afterlife it doesn't dictate my day to day you know it's it's honestly in my belief you know if you're a good person treat people well and you know treat your neighbor as you want to be treated i mean that's what it's all about and, 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 you know, I'm not murdering people. I'm not stealing things. You know, I mean, sure, I, 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 you know, screw things up and I make mistakes. But, you know, you ask forgiveness or you, you know, feel remorse. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, you think about, you know, what really makes us human. And empathy is the, you know, number one or two on those lists of what makes human humans empathy. Feeling that and the people that are gone. You know, the people that aren't no longer occupying their body, those are the mass murderers that don't feel that empathy. Don't They can't put themselves in another situation or see the impact of what they're doing. Yeah. Do you know what solipsism is? I don't. That's it's... a big word. <laughs> no, it's, it's one of those 10 cent words you pick up somewhere. It's My understanding is the idea that the person who suffers from the condition believes that they are the only real person. That, okay. that nobody else has consciousness like they do, that nobody else is as important as they do. It's like an mm. extremely uh, narrow pinpoint version of narcissism to the point of only your reality matters. And everybody mm. else is like a robot or an actor here for your amusement. So I wonder if there's that, to think of it like a spectrum, it is the opposite of empathy. That is okay. the, the polar opposite of concern for your fellow person. But again, you just are so refreshingly kind and open-hearted and good to people like it's just it's it's genuinely it just feels good to talk to you about this stuff because you just you just seem to genuinely care and it's nice to hear that somebody can think this stuff and just not worry because i just worry about everything and granted that's what some of the medications for that's what talking to a counselor's for Mm -hmm. but it's it's nice to know that people can handle these you know grand existential questions and think yeah well i'm just kind of doing my best and we'll just it's easier to live an honest life than it is a duplicitous one that way you don't have to keep track of all the lies you've told different people of just yeah if i'm consistent being me i can kind of think back like well what would i have done in that scenario 
Yeah, probably told you it's the red car over there. You know, like mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about your track record of what you've done if you're just trying to be a good person. Right. Yeah, and and and, and, and you make it seem so simple and easy, and it, it's it, it in some ways it is, some ways it's. No, and that's not to paint with too broad of a brush. It's absolutely. Yeah. You just try to make the right decision, and it's that's where strength comes from in the face of adversity is making the right decision when it's not the easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and only control what you can control. Okay. You know, there's so many elements that, that you have no control over into labor over things that happened that, you know, you did your best with or really had no impact on. I mean, it's, it's, it's something I've learned. That's something that as a younger person, I definitely, you know, would take more time to kind of get over and worry about those things that I couldn't control. Something happened completely out of my scope or realm and then you worry and think about it. And to me, that was kind of it became kind of a waste. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's wasted thought, it's wasted time for those things. But I, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've had anxiety, I've had those thoughts that, you know, you know, you're not good enough. You know, th- those, those thoughts do creep in and it's hard in that you know, you're going to, you're going to fuck this up. You're really going to screw this up. There's this kind of the, the version that I've had before of like, yeah, you can't do that. It's, it's not, and it's, 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 it's scary kind of having my, outlook and like you say like trying to just trying to do the right thing trying to do the best thing and yet there's this thought in the back of your head creeping in it's it's it can be a challenge sometimes but in the same token it's 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 an easy way to go through it control what you can control do the best you can help people out where you can you know it's it's kind of what i try and do and it's fun well put and i i really am a, I'm very happy to hear that for you, and B, I'm, I'm happy to realize that I'm at a point in my life where I no longer knee-jerk think I'm envious of that, but more so that, mm-hmm. like, man, that sounds really great, and I'm just genuinely happy that you've got that strength and that fortitude of character to be able to do that and to navigate that path because that really is – that's the goal, man. I mean, everybody's going to have that doubt. Everybody's going to have that voice saying, yeah, but if you reach up for this thing, you might slip. You might miss your grip. The higher you go, the farther you can fall, but that's – that's perseverance. That's being strong in character. So to, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. It's you're like I said, you're you're a gentleman and a very good person, I think. So again, very happy you're here. Um, to kind of wrap things up, if we're gonna chase this dogmatic Catholic notion to the end, hmm. do you want the full on Viking funeral? Do you want, you know, last rites and do you want uh someone to call a priest at the final hour and to have the full Catholic mass of everything, or how do you how do you see your – knowing that this is non-binding in any f- legal form, <laughs> unless there is a lawsuit setting a precedent I am unaware of, these do not reflect Dave's last wishes and testament. But do you think – have you had this conversation with your wife about like, look, if something happens, you know, cremation, do a ceremony and that's it? Or like have mm-hmm. you just kind of said Catholic all the way to the end? Or what do you think? Or- I'm pretty open-minded about that. I mean, we'll have to wear it. I'm not going to be here anyways for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, the funerals but, are for the living. They're not for the dead, right? They are. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if, if, if last, last rites are possible, yeah, I mean, that would be great. If, if they're not, I'll be okay. You know, hopefully I've lived a good enough life to that point and, and, and things will be on the okay, on the up and up upstairs and they'll just open the gates and let me on in. But, um, no, I mean, I, I, I've joked and I'm semi mostly serious. I just want to be cremated and dump my ashes in Shady Oak Lake. I like that. It's a, you know that place is home, and you just it's pretty. You I, like it there. I grew up there. My blood's probably some strong percentage of that lake water. Probably <laughs> not healthy. It might might cut me short. I don't know, 
Um, but I think part of me, like, so so a lot of my family's buried in a cemetery in Minnetonka. I think I'd maybe want to be some of me there and then just dump the rest of me in Shady Oak Lake. Sure. Put me in a canister that can snake people's fishing hooks and then I just all the then I can get sweet revenge and all the hooks that I've lost. And yeah, it's like a booby prize of like if you've got this and it's a photo of you giving thumbs up on the front of it, just like you can call this number to get your free like okay. There it is. Yeah, just just put me in a big tangly rebar and barbed wire <laughs> clump at the bottom of Shady Oak Lake and that way I can maximize my input. Yeah, there's a there's a lake not far from here that's mostly just swampland that I've thought it's it's gorgeous at sunset and sunrise and I've run a lot around it and biked around it a lot and I would think that that's this has been my epicenter for the better part of my happy adulthood and I would think I would like to just spread me there and be done with me because this vessel is gone so it's it's interesting to hear your kind of catholic take through to the end and then here yeah, well again it's just a vessel this is not this is not dave the daveness is gone that's somewhere else now whether or not it ends up in place a b or q we don't know but for those of us here dave is not dave's not here man like you're gone <laughs> i wonder if anything has to do with the endorphins you know you talk about that mm. swamp yeah, you know, when you're exercising oh. and running and things in your mind and things that I'm doing at Shady Oak Lake, you know, when I was a kid swimming and running around and yeah. fishing, catching fish, you know, there's just, you know, the chemicals, the endorphins that are in your mind maybe just has an impact on where you want those, uh, mm-hmm. want that final resting place to be. Yeah, runner's high is definitely a thing. It you just thing. feel closer to God, that mm-hmm. idea of just everything is pumping and moving as it should. Everything is functioning as it should and you're doing yeah, wow, I have never considered that. That If I take nothing else away from this, which is not going to happen, but that alone right there, I love that we talk all of this time and we get to that that idea. That's so great. There it is. Very cool. Anything you want to talk about or plug before we wrap up? I'm good here. Righto. Unless you want me to tell any more weird stories. or Do you got a highlight, a particular one that you think he would want to hear this? Otherwise, I'm good. Do you want anything that comes to mind? No, I'll put you on the spot. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, it's 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 such a cool topic. It really is, and, and there's so many different viewpoints, so many different ways to look at it, and no one's right or wrong that we know of. No one knows. Yeah, such a we it's it's such a thing that we've grasped at, and we never know. And it's such I mean, it's, it's everyone's end, and we don't know what it looks like or sounds like, and it's. You know, we, that's for me. I mean, I'm, I'm a context person. I'm contextual. I want to know what people experienced, have seen, have felt like, so I can prepare myself. I'm mm. a safe guy like that. Okay. I want to be prepared. Um, so, I mean, I think that's fascinating when people have those experiences to share. And I'd be curious to hear what you and your friend talked about with his experience. So that would be. Yeah, it was heavy stuff. And we unpacked some weird stuff that really helped me understand him and it took him a couple of years to kind of unpack it too to really figure out what he experienced and how he processed it so i'll definitely uh for everybody listening that would be my episode about brian that i will uh link where appropriate and uh, i put his before mine (laughs) (laughs) otherwise dave i can't thank you enough i'd love to have you back on and uh, anytime this is so great thanks so much yep thanks john